0: Well, I'm grateful tonight for the ability to pray. Privilege we have to do so. Come to the throne. appreciate the... uh, It seems like a good atmosphere in the house of God tonight. And I appreciate that. Just a comfortable atmosphere. I thank the Lord for it. And appreciate the privilege. And I say a privilege to be in the house of God among His people tonight. If you have a copy of the Word of God... I want to turn, please, to the book of Acts, chapter number 4. The book of Acts, chapter number 4. I want to read some Scripture here and <clears throat> deal with what can be a controversial subject. And uh, I think it's a misunderstood thing often in the church world and among the people of God. But I was praying today and asking the Lord what He wanted for the service, and He kept bringing my heart to this thought, and it was different for me today. I'm just going to just be real open and honest, and then we'll read from the Scriptures. It was different for me. I often get led to a a portion of Scripture, and then as... We read it, the Lord speaks to us out of the Scripture, and it's kind of opposite today. I got a thought and never could, uh, felt like uh, couldn't get a Scripture and began to look through the Word of God and uh, realize that it's all through the New Testament, and I feel like maybe that's why it came that way. But the Lord settled my heart in this portion of Scripture, and this is where I want to read from tonight and to then try to deal with it just a little while tonight if the Lord will help us, and you'll pray for us for a little while. Acts chapter 4, let's stand together. When you found your place, out of reverence and honor to the reading of the Word of God. Acts chapter 4, we'll begin reading in verse number 32. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that all of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. With great power gave the apostles witness the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Neither was there any among them that lacked, for as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them brought the prices of the things that were sold, laid them down at the apostles' feet. Distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite, and of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it, and brought the money, and laid it at the apostles' feet. Thank you for standing, you can be seated. Now we really could go on, and it's been said in both the Sunday school hour and in preaching times, that chapters and verse divisions were not in the original, but the translators put them in there, and I'll say I'm glad to have them, would be very difficult at times to find your place in the Word of God if there were not chapter and verse divisions. But the reality is, often when the chapter ends and a new chapter begins, we sometimes think that the train of thought changes, and often it does, but then oftentimes it does not. And the train of thought does not change between verse 37. Of chapter number four and verse number one of chapter number five. They're still dealing with the same principle. That's what I want to deal with tonight. If God would help me for just a little while, you'd pray for me about giving and the church. And uh, I know I can't remember how long it's been. It seems like not being that long ago, but I do understand uh, that time uh, gets away from us. I don't know how long ago it was that I preached on giving and it's not something uh, that's preached on a whole lot in these days. Number one, because it can be a little bit controversial. A lot of people withdraw when you mention the word giving or say that you're going to deal with giving from the pulpit. Uh, Also, I think it is misunderstood, this thing about giving. I believe that what is recorded for us in Acts not only chapter four. This is not the first time in the Word of God that this principle of them selling their houses and land is mentioned, but it's also mentioned earlier in the Word of God in Acts chapter one with the establishment of the church. And what it is is that here in the Scripture we have to understand what's taking place and the context. Of what's going on. This is the early church. At this time, we'll get there later in the book of Acts, down about Acts chapter number 8. We'll run across a man by the name of Cornelius who will be the first Gentile convert that's ever saved. But up until that point, every person, an individual that is saved and a part of the early church is a Jew. And so in being so, when they profess openly their faith in Christ, and that is why that Peter commanded them in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost when he preached for them to repent and be baptized in the name of Christ, it was not that baptism was a requirement for their salvation, it was but baptism was an open declaration that they had renounced Judaism and the works of the law and the traditions of their fathers, and they had embraced Christ for their salvation through faith and faith alone. And so, in that public declaration but they were cut off from their families, cut off from their friends, many of them that had business, could not conduct business because the Jews would not do business with a Christian and so many of them suffered and had need and so it was not. The idea of socialism is not and that's been misinterpreted and misapplied in the book of Acts. It was not that the apostles commanded them to sell their goods and sell their land and sell their houses and live communally but it was that they had such love uh, one for another as the people of God uh, that the church did what the church still should be doing and that is that the church saw to uh, the needs and the, uh, the affairs of her own and so they sold their houses, had sold their land and brought them and the Bible said they laid them at the apostles feet and so then they distributed them has every man had need? And so here in the scripture, if we were to go back and give some context. For what's taken place prior to the verses that we read tonight, the day of Pentecost has come, there's been 3,000 that have been saved and daily added to the church. The Bible said such as should be saved. Then in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John go up to the temple at the hour of prayer and there sits a man at the gate called Beautiful asking for an alms. We know the story. Peter fastening his eyes on him. He looked at Peter and John Hoping to receive something of them He wanted something What he got was way more Than what he thought he wanted He just wanted a little money To help him along the journey But Peter said look on us And Peter said silver and gold Have I none But such as I have Give I thee In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth Rise up and walk, And the Bible said immediately his ankle bones received strength and he stood, He leaped up and went with them into the te- temple walking and leaping and praising God. And now there were Jews assembled in the temple and they were all amazed for they knew that this was that man who which sat off at the gate called beautiful and they all came together while this man's holding Peter and John and they all come amazed and astonished at a look at this man and while the multitude has gathered together Peter filled with boldness and the Holy Ghost preaches again unto them and five thousand are saved on that day word gets to the high priest and the religious leaders of what's going on and they arrest Peter and John and they put them in the prison and they charge them In verse uh, chapter number four, they charged them not to preach or tell about this man anymore. And so they get released and they go straight. The Bible said in verse 23, and being let go, they went to their own company, that is, to the other apostles, and they reported all that the chief priests and elders had said. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said Lord art God which has made heaven and the earth and the sea and all them is and he goes on and he said now Lord behold thy threaten- their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness that they may speak thy word that by stretching forth thine hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus and verse 31 it says and when they had prayed the place was shaken where they were Assembled together, and they were all filled again with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. So now they have been granted this power to do these miracles for the glory of God and the Bible said the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Now there's key in that. Now I'm trying to get where I need to be. But given as it relates to the church, is heart business. We are to give from our heart. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, I believe it is, As every man purposeth in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly or of necessity. Now the word grudgingly means you just do it and you really don't want to do it. The word necessity means you're doing it because you feel you have to do it. Paul said, don't give it, that's the way you feel. But he said, from your heart, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And so the reality, whether people like it, or whether they don't, whether it's controversial, or whether it's not, whether folks turn you off, or whether they don't, the reality is that the principle and the practice of giving was in the establishment of the church from the beginning. And it should still be practiced today. There's a lot of people that will argue that tithing is just an Old Testament doctrine, and it is. But tithing is mentioned in the New Testament. The Lord commends the Pharisees for tithing of their goods, but he said there are other things you've left undone. He said you ought to do what you're doing, but you also ought not to leave the other things undone. And so the Lord says we ought to tithe. I understand it's an Old Testament principle, but the principle is that one-tenth of what God gives you, the first fruits before anybody else stakes their claim to it, is to be set aside and reserved unto God. People can argue all they want to, about whether or not you should tithe in the New Testament. Whether or not tithing can be preached as a New Testament doctrine is irrelevant because giving can be preached as a New Testament doctrine. It was in the establishment of the church from the beginning. One of the first works that the church did when they were born again is they gave unto the Lord. And so giving is a principle of the church. It is a practice of the church. But there's more to giving. And the reason that giving becomes controversial is everybody has such a tight rein. And I'm not being mean, but everybody has such a tight rein on their phone And they, they tighten up because that's all they think there is to giving. And giving of your money, giving of, of silver and gold, as Peter said, that is at times part of the giving process. But giving is much more than just silver and gold. Now, here in the scripture, we read where the apostles and all of these men gave of their silver and their gold. They gave of their treasure. They gave of their possessions. They gave of their money. But there is one man in particular who is a detailed for us. And really, what's mentioned here about what he does is no greater than what others have done. The Bible said they have sold their houses and their lands verse 34 brought the passes of the things that were shown and laid them down at the apostles feet that is exactly what is recorded for us about this man by the name of Joseph who is going to be named by the apostles Barnabas who is going to be found in Acts chapter 9 who is going to lead the Apostle Paul back into town and tell everybody and give witness to what God did for him on the road to Damascus and become Paul's companion and co laborer in the ministry and in the faith. So it seems to me that there's a reason why this Joseph this Barnabas has mentioned what is mentioned concerning what he did it's no different than everybody else verse 37 it said he had land he sold it and he brought the money and laid it at the apostles feet it's the same thing that was said in verse 34 and 35 but there is something here where the Bible said he is named by the apostles and names are always important and always relevant in the word of God they always speak to about the character of the individual. And the Bible said the apostles thought it good uh, to call him Barnabas, uh, which is being interpreted the sign of consolation, which means an encourager, an exhorter, a strengthener, a maintainer that's what they said about Barnabas and so the reality is he gave more than silver and gold but we can look through the book of Acts and find out that Barnabas gave of himself. and sometimes it's not so much that God wants your silver and your gold but he wants yourself he wants you to give yourself to him yourself to the church to the work of the church to the ministry of the church that's what Barnabas did he gave himself to the church he was he sacrificed his life he sacrificed all his plans there were no other plans at this point the Lord had changed them the Lord had saved them something had happened and they were so overjoyed with everything that would happen they were ready and willing to give everything the Lord wanted I wonder in these days, and I know it's a little different tonight, but I know this is what I'm supposed to deal with. I wonder tonight if the joy of the early church came upon the church of today, what more would we be willing to give and to do for the joy? Now they didn't do it because they had to. They didn't do it because they were required to. They did it because their heart told them to. And out of the joy of their heart, they gave unto the Lord. That's what was signified. They laid it at the apostles' feet. They weren't giving it to the apostles. They were giving it to the Lord. And they understood that the apostles were God's men and they would oversee the distribution. But in reality, they were giving it to God and saying, God, do with it what you see best. And so Barnabas didn't just give his silver and his gold, but it appears to me that Barnabas gave his himself. He said, take me, use me. He exhorted the people. He encouraged the people. He helped the brethren. It was mentioned this morning in the Sunday school hour about comforting the feeble-minded, supporting the weak. It's in the book of Hebrews to, uh, uh, to uh, lift up the hands that hang down and to support the feeble knees. That's what Barnabas, that was his job, that was his guilt, that was his calling to be an exhorter and an encourager and to give of himself to the Lord. I believe, and you'll not convince me any otherwise in reading the scriptures, that exhortation is a gift that God gives to certain people. I think that everybody at some time in their life can give exhortation ought to give exhortation but I also believe that God qualifies and gives certain things to certain people that they just haven't I mean it's just always in them it's the part of their spirit I believe we see it in the apostle Paul I believe we see it in Barnabas and others Paul is led outside the city he's stoned and left for dead he gets up comes back into the city and the Bible said he exhorts them in the faith at the moment that it looked like that everybody else ought to be exhorting Paul Paul is exhorting them you say why? it was in Paul he had given himself often in his epistles we read where Paul exhorts the brethren he exhorts them to the work of the Lord. Reminds them that their labor is not in vain. That's what Galatians chapter 5 has written. It is, a, it is a chapter of exhortation to remind us that our labor is not in vain in the Lord. So, not just silver and gold, but self to be given to the Lord. Then I thought about, the Lord began to deal with my heart about support. Giving our support. Now, that's not... I'm already done with silver and gold. I'm 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 going beyond self, but to come around one another and help one another. And that's what they were doing. They were supporting one another. They were in one mind and one accord. If one hurt, they all hurt. If one rejoiced, they all rejoice. That's what Paul had preached to the Corinthian church that the body of Christ should be so close and so knit together that all ought to rejoice and all ought to suffer together. And that is the support structure of the local New Testament church. It was that way from the beginning... And nothing's changed. God's design for the church has not changed. Just because we're not in the book of Acts, just because, and I understand that the book of Acts is a transitional book. It does cover a transitional period in the church, but we over-transitionalize it and feel like maybe it has no application to us today. There are certain things that the apostles had. There are certain gifts that were given to the apostles which are not exercised now because the fullness of the gospel had not yet come. They had not yet received the full Bible. They were preaching the Jews. The Jews required a sign And so God gave them power To do signs and wonders To convince the Jews to come to Christ I understand all that But the main principles of the establishment Of the church are still the same today And giving is one of them To give of our silver and gold To give of our self To give of our support Then I thought And I'll be done in just a minute If you'll bear with me When we give, how is it that we're supposed to give? Well, I think the Bible mentions three specific things in the Word of God that how we're supposed to give. Romans chapter 12 and verse number 8 said, When we give, we're to give with simplicity. Now, that doesn't mean to be simple in your giving, it means not to be a hypocrite. It means not to do what Ananias and Sapphira did, they were hypocrites in their giving God did not kill them I want you to hear man I said this a few weeks ago when we were looking at the book of Acts God did not kill Ananias and Sapphira because they didn't give all the money the apostles had never required them to sell all the land and give all the money God killed them because they lied to the Holy Ghost that's what Peter said Peter confronts Ananias and he said while it remained was it not thine own And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? In other words, Peter said you could have gave whatever you wanted to give. You didn't even have to sell it in the first place. Why are you being a hypocrite and lying to the Holy Ghost? about your giving. See Ananias and Sapphira were watching everybody else and what they were doing and they wanted to to be included. They wanted everybody else to pat them on the back. They wanted to have a name in the They were given hypocrisy. They were given out of a hypocrite heart. They just wanted it for the pat on the back and for the praise of men and so they conspired together and said we'll tell that we sold it for this much even though we sold it for this much and we'll keep back a little bit in case all this don't work out and everybody will think we've done this great deed and Peter said Satan have filled your heart to lie to the Holy Ghost yeah and he died and they carried him out and three hours later his wife come in and Peter said did you sell the lamb for so much recalling the amount that Ananias and her had, had conspired together and she said yeah for so much Peter said the men that carried your husband out are out the door And she fell down dead and they wound her up and carried her out too. Buried her by her husband. It wasn't that they were so required to give that when they didn't give everything they had God killed them. It was that the way they gave was out of hypocrisy and they lied to God in their giving. And so the Bible said when we give, we're to give with simplicity. When it's in your heart to give and you give from the joy of your heart, that is with simplicity. Not faking it, but not out of a hypocrite lifestyle, but not trying to receive the praise of men like the Pharisees did over there when Jesus watched. And this widow woman slipped through wanting not to be seen or not to be noticed. And all she had was a mat and a, two mites to put in. And Jesus said, she's gave all more than all the rest of you together he said you just gave out of your abundance so everybody could brag on you but she out of her necessity out of her lack she's gave and so there are times and every time that we give biblically we should give in simplicity according to the word of God but there are also times and it's not every time but we do find records in the word of God when we give that sometimes we give sacrificially Now this is where it gets a little tight and everybody wants to pull up the brakes. But according to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul is commending the church at Macedonia and he said you gave when you didn't have anything to give. He said you gave above your ability that the gospel of God and that the work of the ministry might continue on and he compels them and commends them because they gave sacrificially. Have you ever had a time the Lord told you to give something and it did not compute on the books for you to be able to give it? But you gave it anyway. That is giving sacrificially. That's not when we go to the jar in the closet or open up the safe and pull out what we've laid by and we can get by without a give or we've come into my, and we ought to tithe and give on everything that God blesses us with whether it's work or whether it's a sale or whatever it may be. I think it ought to be tied on and given to God but there are times in the Scripture where God calls for His people to give when it don't make sense and it doesn't seem like we're even able to give. God said if you give it will be given back to you. That's not something we just go around and pull out our wallet and say, "Well, I give twenty today; God will give me forty back." That's if God compels you to give. If you feel a yearning and an earnest work in your heart and a pull on you to give, if you give from the attitude of joy in your heart, even though you don't understand, that's when the promise of God comes back, and when you give, it will be given back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken up, and running over, shall men give? into your bosoms, what God said and so Paul commends the church at Macedonia for their sacrificial giving it's something that doesn't make sense but God calls his people at times to sacrificially give and God will bless an individual a man or a woman or a family or a home that gives under the leadership of the Holy Ghost sacrificially to the work of God I believe that's right and then lastly and I'm done the Lord says, "Every time, give with simplicity." Sometimes we're called to give sacrificially, but I think another every time. And I just thought, and the Lord got to deal with my heart. And this is how He spoke to my heart in Second Corinthians chapter nine. We find that scripture, verse number seven. I think it is that we're to give not grudgingly or of necessity. But the Lord loves a cheerful giver. And the Lord spoke to my heart this evening. He said to give with a smile. That's what he said. Give with a smile. I have seen people. I have personally seen people over the years that whether or not we had a preacher in or whatever the circumstance, we took up money. And it's almost like that you had to pull it out of them. Or they were so, just, that's what the scripture says, don't give grudgingly, but you could tell they didn't want to. They just felt like they had to, or everybody would look, but that's not what God's desiring. I mean, I'm not being mean, and you know me better, all of you. I mean, there ain't a whole lot of us here, and we've all been together long enough to know that you know I don't preach mean-spirited, and I'm not tonight. But God would rather you keep your money, or whatever it is, if that's the attitude you're going to give in. God don't need my money and He don't need yours, but from time to time He does ask for it. And He really doesn't need us. The reality is God doesn't need me. I need Him. He doesn't need me. But thank God He chose to put me in the ministry and He asked of me to give of myself. And sometimes of a giving sacrifice, it may not be that it works out on the math about your money, but sometimes you feel like you don't have the time to come apart from whatever you feel like you have to do. Sometimes we have to give sacrifice of ourself. Lord, I need to get this done. I don't have time to go knock on their door. I don't have time to go by and visit. I don't have time to cook a meal. I don't have time to do that. But if you'll give God your time, He'll make your time work out somehow. That's right. I mean, we serve a God that He made the sun stand still in the valley of Agilom for Joshua. Yeah. And if He could do it for Joshua, He can do it for you. Yeah, man, I believe that's right. Yeah they have been days, and I'm not bragging on me by any means, I'm just telling you what the Lord's done. they have been days God's called me to go do something, to visit somebody or call somebody or do something for somebody and I didn't have the time, but much to my amazement, I had the time to do everything else I had to do plus do what God told me to do. You say to God, stop the son, he might not have stopped it physically but he worked it out by his grace and by his power for me to get done everything I needed Yes, sir, brother. and while I'm there I can throw in there's a big difference between stuff we need to get done and stuff we want to get done right. and sometimes we let the stuff we want to get done hinder us from doing the things of God but there are times that we need to get something done we have a deadline, we have an obligation but if we'll give ourselves sacrificially to God he'll work all the rest of that out Amen, I've seen him do it yes, sir. he's got a good track record that's right. He's got a good track record about your finances. He's got a good track record about your time. He's got a good track record about you. And he's taken care of me thus far. And I don't have any doubts that he'll take care of me the rest of the way. <clears throat> Ain't that what the writer said? I don't believe he'll fail me. Just a few short steps from home. I mean, we've come this far and God's always taken care of us. He'll take care of us the rest of the way. If He compels you to give, whether it's sacrificially or just to give out of your abundance, both of them are required from God from time to time. But let's do it with simplicity and let's do it with a smile from our heart in joy that we're able to give to the work of God. matter of fact, the Bible said... It's not, this was given to the work of God, but they were taking care of their own. And my Bible says, if you see your brother have need, and there's all kinds of needs we can put in there. People say, well, that don't, a need is a need. Whether it's a financial need, a spiritual need, an emotional need, a support need, the Bible said, if you see your brother have need and shut up your bounds of compassion, how dwelleth the love of God in you? But if we see our brother have need, if it means we need to give him $20, if it means we need to give him 20 minutes of our time, whatever it is, we ought to give as unto the Lord. That is right. Giving is a deep-rooted principle of the church. Giving to the Lord. And I understand that the Lord makes us Stewards, and we ought to be good stewards of what the Lord's entrusted us with. God never did intend. Brother Tim has said it in the Sunday school hour, and I've said it before. The Lord never did intend for the church to be a bank, the Lord never did intend for the church to be an investment opportunity. I understand their needs and, and other things, but the Lord gave us that for us to be good stewards, and we ought to help who we can help do what we can, give unto the Lord. And we understand, I understand, that it's not a popular subject. And I don't know why the Lord wanted me to preach on it tonight. But the reality is, I understand at times we have boats about things, but the reality is when it leaves our hand and goes in the offering plate, it really ceases to be ours and it begins to be God's. It was His really to begin with. And so when we give us to the Lord, we're saying, here Lord, you do it what you see fit to do with it. And I've heard numerous people and it's not that we're just going through the motions or I hope not, but I've heard numerous people when well, I've called on to pray over the offering we say something like this Lord bless this offering to the upbuilding of thy kingdom. In other words, Lord take this and use it to further the kingdom of God and give you glory. Amen. That's what we're giving it for. It's to give glory to him and let him do his work with it and he will. He will, I've watched him. I've watched things happen over the years. God use a church, God used an individual to bless not just and a lot of times the reason that this is so tight and people don't like to preach on it and people don't like for people to preach on it <coughs> is the majority of the time when people preach about giving they think it's all for the man of God and I understand that according to the word of God the churches take care of the man I understand all that, but we're to take care of one another. That's what they were doing in Acts. As many as had need, they distributed to their needs and they helped them along the journey. Not just with their silver and gold, but with their self, with their support. When they were down and out, they encouraged them. When they needed some help, they helped them. When they needed some strength, they picked them up. And we're to give whatever it is the Lord tells us to give. As to the Lord, for one another, to help one another, And the reality that we're all in this family together. We're all in this struggle together. We're all in the fight together. We're all facing the same enemy. All serving the same captain. All on the same side. We ought to help one another as we go. There are going to be days when them fiery darts are flying your way. And they may hit you a few times. And I've succeeded to dodge. Not in my own power, you understand. But that day i succeeded to dodge them. It ought to be my heart's desire to help you when you're down Because the next battle, it could be me that's hit with all the darts. And I need you to pick me up and help me along the journey. And so I don't know why, particularly the Lord wanted me to deal with it tonight, but I feel like He did and I felt liberty in preaching. Giving and the church. Thank God for folks that have given to the Lord and how the Lord has worked it for my benefit, your benefit. The reality is if we can just put money that's all we think about sometimes about giving, but the reality is we're all here today because somebody gave to the Lord. Whether it was themselves, their support, their silver and gold to maintain the church, to get out the gospel. It's the reality. Giving is, is tied. You cannot separate giving and the establishment of the church. Thank God for men and women who will give to the Lord. Father, I thank you tonight for the privilege and the opportunity to have been together with your people